to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. Well, we're glad you've joined us this morning. Um, And um, with Josh and Karen, if you guys would pause just for a second as we start out this morning, and also Mike and Jess. Um, since they're uh, serving and we, we support the Krebs um, financially and through prayer and different things, and also Josh and Karen, um, we want them to be a part of that also as far as uh, going forward, um, supporting them monthly as, as much as we can. Uh, also, you guys, know, some of y'all know Jim and uh, Laura Campbell, um, who are uh, overseas also. Um, and so um, if you guys want to come over here, um, as we start this morning, um, we're, we're looking at this whole aspect of putting together um, what we started out in the first week of January, this idea of the Imago Day that, that God made us in his image, and then we kind of learn that in that, what matters most, what we want to be faithful to is loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then loving our neighbor as ourself, and then the great commission of making disciples of all people, pontata ethne, uh, baptizing them and teaching them. And so then we've looked at this, today we're going to look at that, what that looks like around this local area. So we've, we've talked about those things, and then we have these extensions of the hands and feet going out with the gospel message. So for some of you, if you don't know, Mike and Jess um, were launched out of New Beginnings about five months, six months after we launched Sojourn, and we were part, he was on staff with us there. And um, part of that was the process of launching Sojourn out in church planting and launching uh, Mike and Jess out in church planting. And so they're in um, Jordan. And so in that uh, little uh, suburb of Amman, Jordan, so 99% Muslims, and they're working in a, the American school in Jordan. And so they have access to all these kids that are coming from Hindu and Buddhist and, and Muslim backgrounds because their parents have the money, but they want them to have a really, really solid education. And so God has placed these um, people in there as Christians to teach them the love of Christ and to show them the love of Christ, people who would not be going ever, ever, ever to a church of Christ. And so um, the same thing with um uh, Josh and Karen, um, that they want to be in tribal areas or wherever God takes them now after this little um, pause to mobilize some, wherever that would lead them. And so we want to financially support them, but also we want to pray for them as we pray for the different churches around Tulsa um, on a regular basis and then saying we want the gospel to go forth. Gospel words, gospel proclamation, but also gospel deeds. And so um, they've learned, even as missionaries, that this process of making disciples, as we're going to see today, it's not just going standing somewhere and just proclaiming the gospel, because Mike and Jess, that doesn't last long in Amman, Jordan, right? Um, There's been some scenarios he's told me of, and I was just like, run. Why did you get in the car with that guy? Like these guys that drive him out the middle, and I was like, you should be dead right now, you know? And so... um, and, but like you just have to think through what that looks like. And so gospel deed of loving them and loving them and loving them and loving these people that are worshiping a false god, Allah. And so with, with tribalism, with Islam, with Hindu, with uh, Buddhists, all of those, we have the chance to, for us to not only pray for them and strengthen them, 
but to also support them financially. Um, and then also to go in the future to go, hey, what trips? I asked Josh earlier, like, hey, Jamie and I would love for our three boys to be gone from like June 1st to like August 1st. Any trips that you guys have? And our boys would be like all about that, probably like, we get to go to a tribal area. Um, and so uh, we're joking. I wouldn't do that to them. And, but he was like, man, they have to be over 18 uh, to, to, to do that. And so um, Jamie may get sent with them. But then the same thing with the Krebs. Asked that they would love for people to be able to take five, ten days and go over and do that and spend time with them. To, to, and then what happens in that is you go thinking like, oh, man, missionaries are like those people that like launch out and land on the moon. Like, man, you have to be so super spiritual. These guys are pitiful sinners. Believe me, I'm around there pitiful, worse than all of us. I mean, not all of you, but most most of you is pitiful. And so um, we think they've got to be way up there super spiritual. Man, they struggle with the same things that we struggle with. And God just goes, hey, you get over there and you go, hey, you know what? Like, we, we could probably raise our kids and have our family or work our job in this same situation as we did in this other context. It's the same thing. God is still faithful. And we kind of feel like now being here that God may open that door for us to do that same thing here. And so we want to partner with them for, for our people, the people of Sojourn, to be able to, in the future, to think through and to have that yes on the table to see what God would want to do with us. We want to partner with 20 like that. And so we know their hearts. We've been around them. They, they were at New Beginnings. We were part of that process of redefining the, the, the mission statement, redefining the, the practices and, and practical outworkings of that, the, uh, the, the core values, all those things to go and make disciples of all nations. And so we, we want to do that, and so we want to pray for them today, uh, specifically um, with um, Mike and Jess, um, Jessica's aunt, um, Tanya, who that has just been a spirit, is, is an aunt, a truly cousin, has just been a spiritual mentor. All, our, we've known Jessica maybe 20 years, and just all that time she's talking about Aunt Tanya, Aunt Tanya, Aunt Tanya. She's got terminal cancer, stage four cancer. So they, they come back from Jordan just to go and spend this last three or four weeks with her and took her down to um, Tijuana, Mexico and to, to get some, just some, some, some rare treatments that you can't get some other places and just praying, Lord, will you take what we have on the earth and would you use it? And, and we pray that you would heal her. We pray that you'd let this, this come to healing. But if not, let your will be done. So they're back here just specifically for that. And so that is weighty. That is difficult. And so Krebs has sent me some things as she's laying on this bed going through all this stuff in Tijuana, Mexico, and they were there with, for her, took her down there for a week. And just the reality, when, when, when you're at the, the, the door of death, things change, your perspective changes. We, we should be living that way because that's what matters most, right? We should be living that way more, but sometimes we get distracted. And so they've just been in this raw, raw state of emotions, spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, just relationally. And so I want to pray for them and pray for Josh and Karen. So if you guys will just pray with me. We, and really believe that you don't do, so we don't pray because you're at a church service and you're supposed to start out with prayer. There's, there's literally a God who, who goes, you should be in hell. All of you, you should not be around me. You don't deserve it. But you understood the gospel and you go, I'm the greatest thing now. I want others to get that. I want them to taste and see that. And so that's, that's why we pray, because we actually believe that he's, he's looking down, smiling. May, may the Lord bless you and keep you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise up his countenance and look upon you. May he raise up his countenance and, and bring you this, this beautiful blessing in your life. 
be gracious to you and, and, and send this out. May, may that happen. So that's been Tanya's cry. That's been the, the, the cry of, of Micah. That's been the cry of the things that we've been hearing in, in Jeremiah and Micah and, and Matthew and, and in the book of the Bible. And so we're joining with, we're just this little bitty sliver joining with them in time to say, this is what matters most. Because when you're in Tanya's position, it's really clear what we could have been spending our time on. And so um, let's pray for them now, if you'll just join me in that. Father, we are, we're thankful for your grace that first takes out rebels and haters of you and people that would never, ever choose you and don't deserve you and would never earn our way to you. We wouldn't even be inclined to walk towards you. So if that's the really good rule keepers who grew up in really, really tight, good homes, that would have never been good enough. That your, your law crushes us. And we needed Jesus to come and live the righteousness that he imputed to us that we will live out in all eternity. And we needed the forgiveness of the cross to cover our sins. And so we're, those people needed that, those who have been licentious and living in rebellion and horrific secret sin and darkness and horrible acts, needing the same forgiveness of sins and the same imputed righteousness. And so all of us coming at the foot of the cross, knowing that we are just in brokenness before you spiritually. We're spiritually bankrupt. And then we turn and look at the world around us that is spiritually bankrupt, serving false gods and false idols. And so we believe that you are hearing, that you are smiling, that you are good, good father. And we pray that you would be with the Krebs as they've gone through some devastating, difficult, weighty relational situations with Tanya. We pray, Father, that you would make us a laughing stock to the world by you completely restoring her to where we have to tell a weird story later on that Tanya is up and doing fine. We would pray that you would do that. You're, you're that powerful of God. We believe that you can work miracles. We believe that you're that good of a God and powerful of God, but it may be your will to take her home, and that would be even better for her. But we would pray, just like Paul, that if you left her here, that her words and her life would be about you. And so we pray that you would work with the Krebs on securing and comforting broken hearts, um, the reality of a losing someone that's so close and such a mentor. And we pray that you would bring them comfort and peace as you brought Tanya and her husband peace with whatever your will is. And Father, we pray for Josh and Karen as they are in this weird, um, flexible place of not having a home, just coming for a short trip and then getting stuck here as all the things with our world have slowed things down and, the, and getting their place to live in Florida and, and the work that they want to do and teaching them patience and perseverance. And so, Father, we pray that you would be with them as they're both launched out to the places where you're sending them. We pray that you would um, allow your gracious word to go forth, that you allow the gospel to go and redeem people that are living in darkness. We pray that Sojourn, the people of Sojourn, that we would be a people that would be living as faithful gospel presence in the middle of our situations, God. We pray that you would do that in a way where um, you would get much, much glory. The, the deeds that we do, the good works we do, and the good words of gospel that we say to people, that it would bring you glory and that you would have worshipers when there were rebels. The wrath of God resting on them, but instead now forgiveness and mercy and grace and rescue. We thank you, Jesus, that you came and rescued. We thank you, Spirit, that you came and opened our eyes to see that. And we thank you, Father, that you had this beautiful plan. So we worship you in spirit and truth. And we pray for them as they go out. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for coming up here. I didn't plan on doing that for them.
And so as they kind of were able to come and join us, I thought that might be appropriate. We're going to be um, looking at this um, idea of faithful gospel presence um, as we're going into uh, finishing up the, the, the sermon series in January. So I always try to start off the year, everyone comes with those ideas of you know uh, resolutions or whatever, so it's a good time to just think, so what really does matter most? And so then we spend some time looking at what that looks like to be faithful, but also we always want to take time to look at the sanctity of, of, of human life. And we look at that every year, we'll probably, as, as the scriptures bring it up, but also be purposeful through the year, not just one Sunday a year to hear about abortion and what, what we can do as believers, but also um, we've got the Martin Luther King Jr.'s birth, uh, birthday right after that. And so then it's this, um, this time to think through, man, how are we loving people that are very much different from us um, ethnically? And then also some of the things that are going on, some of the oppressions that still exist, even in a country as far along as we are, um, and in a world as far along as we are. And so we want to take time to look at that Imago day, or are we loving others? And so um, then finishing up, kind of bringing all this together. And so I wanted to just look at these three main things here. So um, we, we talked about two of them so far, but then this last one we talked about a little bit last week, but the first one being... Um, great commandment people. And then the second one being a great commission people. And the third one being a great requirement people. And so faithfulness to him, faithfulness to one another, and faithfulness to his kingdom and mission. As we look at that, um, um, you guys may know um, the famous kind of poet laureate and uh, theologian of our time, Kenny Chesney. And so um, every, every, everyone's a, a theologian, right? So no matter if you even said God doesn't exist, that's, that's theology. That's a working theology. You have an idea, a study, and an idea about God. So um, famous song that he's got that uh, maybe years and years old, but it's uh, um, everyone, everybody wants to go to heaven. And so here, here's how the song goes. You may know it, but he, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm, I'm not going to sing it. Um, but everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. Preacher told me last Sunday morning, son, you better start living right. You need to quit the women and whiskey and carrying on all night. And that's probably some of you last night, right? Don't want to hear him call your name when you're standing at the pearly gates, because that's what all we all think of, right? Most of us think we're standing in line outside the pearly gates, and boy, streets of gold in there, because... I mean, we've all lived where gold's real valuable. And so streets of gold and these pearly gates and, and, and oh, which side are you on once they call your name? That's really a lot of people's working theology. And so he says, um, when, when that happens, uh, uh, let me find where I'm at here. When you're standing at the pearly gates, I told the preacher, yes, I do, but I hope they don't call today. I ain't ready. I said, preacher, maybe you didn't see me throw an extra 20 in the plate. There's one for everything I did last night and one to get me through today. Sadly, some people, I think, view offering and play like, man, I had a pretty rough week. Here's some stuff I got into, and let's, let's, let's put an extra little cash in there. That happens in churches. So we have this kind of payment plan with God. He, he needs our money. It's literally people's thinking sometimes. Like God needs our money. And in that, you know, he has this understanding. We get to sin a little bit, and as long as we pay a little bit more, well, I had a pretty rough week. And so literally, you wouldn't know how many Americans and church people actually think that way. I've been shocked sometimes with the thinking of some people that there's there's idea of penance. Um, here's a 10 to help you remember the next time you got the good Lord's ear. Say, I'm coming, but I ain't in a hurry. I'm having fun down here. And if we were honest, I think a lot of times... That's really, even inside the church, our, our idea. Like, yeah, I mean, we, we want to go to heaven. We do all this stuff because we have the idea of going to heaven. But, but to be honest, like, I got a lot of plans for life. I got a lot that I want to do. I'd love to excel in that. I'd love to accomplish these goals. Man, there's a lot of things I really want to live out and experience here. 
I'm sure heaven's going to be good, but I'm, I'm not really in a hurry because I'm having fun down here. He says, everybody wants to go to heaven, get their wings and fly around. I don't think that's accurate. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. And so then he goes on to the end. He goes through it repeatedly. Everybody wants to go to heaven. No one wants to go now. I think I speak for the crowd. Amen. I, I think that he's not only talking about the people that are sitting in bars or listening to Kenny Chesney on whatever, you're a record player, but I think he's speaking for even the church sometimes. Yeah, heaven sounds good, but man, all of life is really, really good. And so are we thinking through living for eternal things, or are we thinking about just, man, I, I got all these plans, and really, I, I want to be 70, 80, 90, because that's what really life is about. We have, a, we have a small glimpse, and I promise you, heaven is going to be so much other, it's, it's completely otherworldly, that God had to be quiet about it in the scriptures and not be so detailed, or people would just be, you just have millions of people over here just running, jumping off cliffs, like just, just I mean, all kinds of people ending their lives if we got to see how great heaven's going to be. He had to be quiet about it because it's not going to be a little bit better than a nice Saturday on the beach. Or if you like the mountain, it's not going to be like, oh, you know, like you get there and like, ah, oh, man, I used to go hiking and like, this is okay. Like, it's pretty good. God, I mean, you did pretty good. And I'm not just talking about the aesthetic element, but, but truly it, it's, what is heaven? It's God. Where Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. And when he's just talking about knowing, not knowledge points, they may know, like we talked about earlier, and Josh said, like, like a father or a mother loves their kid. What do you want from them? Do you ever want any, any harm to come to them? You want their very, very, very best. And going, this is what I have for you afterward. And so um, we're in a weird time in the Bible Belt where um, people have gone to churches in a weird time in history, and people have gone to church because they were supposed to for many, many years. So you've got four different generations. You've got the traditionalists, you've got the baby boomers, you've got the Generation X, and you've got millennials, and now you've got the Gen Z coming up, right? And so um, in that, what do you do when people no longer feel like it's necessary to attend church regularly, that they don't, they don't feel like it's necessary, or even the larger percentage of church people don't see why. And the reason for that is usually it's because I don't really know that I'm getting a lot out of that. And so that, that's a very common thing. And so then COVID hits, right? And so everyone, oh, we got to go virtual and everything. Well, now all these churches are seeing that people literally are just checking in online, clicking a button, and I just get to wash my golf clubs as the virtual thing's going on. And, you know, after about four or five minutes, I just go and now I get to leave early for golf or I get to go clean the car or walk the dog or I have a lot more time. And so there's not the idea of the church is a people. And so that, that's a change that we're going through. We've got podcasts to listen to. So you can listen to your, your, your favorite really good speakers instead of someone like me. Um, you get you got blogs of articles uh, to, to kind of through the week to kind of keep us Christian. Um, you can attend online or not attend. Try to be a good person, kind of pull up your moral bootstraps, and that's Christianity. And what, what's weird about that is that is not Christianity for the last 2,000 years. That has not been the form of Christianity, this optional consumer, look up at this menu, and like out of 100 things on the menu, I'll take two of those that are most convenient, and where I, where's my receipt? Oh, I've got the receipt. I prayed the prayer. And so I'm just waiting until the end. I get to go to heaven because I've got the receipt, but I've done things on my own 
options. I've done my own optional way of Christianity. Um, We're in time in the history of the church in America where there's no understanding of what the church is, no biblical ecclesiology. So for centuries, what people understood as the church and understood as what the church was, it it just doesn't apply. There's a little commitment to a people. there's There's a little cost and there's a little sacrifice. And so that's the idea. And so just other centuries would just go like, how you can't just do that. That's probably an evidence that you haven't understood something in the Bible. And so, um, and, and I'm not trying to speak on, like, say, this is, this is you people here at Sojourn. I'm saying this is, books are, there's a thousand books already written over the last, you know, five years about where the church is in America. It's a consumer mentality. My two greatest concerns, so my, I'm always thinking through, praying, thinking through, reading, thinking through souls of people, souls of people, souls of people. In that, Two big concerns is we're, number one, we're a quick trip culture. And that you guys know quick trip culture. And we're also a Matthew 7 culture. And so what I mean by quick trip culture is, is convenience, speed, efficiency, and consumer ruled. Consumer ruled. They do everything based off of what would make this the easiest and least convenient. Uh, uh, least inconvenience time for them. So you just step up. It's really quick, really quick transaction, and you get what you wanted, and you get out of there really quick. And so that's not spiritual growth. Never has been has that been what, what it takes to grow spiritually. But we, we have that such a mindset with that, whether it's our devices and, and click. And, and if you're, 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 anyone have a little circle that spins on your TV for 1.5 seconds and you almost look like, well, what? Oh my God. What? What? Let's get Cox. This is ridiculous. What's Dish Network? Oh my God. Oh, is that over? Like uh, I almost had a stroke because it took a second and a half for this thing. And, and like, that's how we are. And, and so in that, um, we're just a society that is so used to that. That is not ever how spiritual growth has happened. That's not where spiritual maturity doesn't happen that way. We're also a Matthew 7 culture. Um, literally tens of millions of people who've prayed a prayer at a youth group or a false creek or maybe 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 the TV preaching that went on for 30 or 40 years. And so the idea was, hey, you've got some problems in your life, some financial problems. You've got some illness. You're depressed and sad. Send this check, and people do it. Jesus will take away all your problems. You just need more faith. How many people have done that in the 70s, 80s, 90s? And, and you work around them. You have neighbors. You have family members. And, and you're like, why, why do you think you're a Christian? Like everything for, that comes out of your mouth is like, there's nothing about Christ at all. There's nothing in your life that looks about Christ. And, and yet you think you're a believer. So we're surrounded by even the Bible Belt. What do you think that's like for our friends in California? In, in Seattle, in New York, in like the Northeast, the West, like if, if you tell them that like, hey, there, there's 10% of California that's Christians, they go, oh, you idiot. 10%? One out of 10 people? No way. It's like one out of 100 probably. They, they, just, they just don't do that. And they're, they're cool with that. Like people are like, oh, you believe that book? Really? Wow. Hey, honey, come over here. I found one of these, those people. They actually believe that book again. They're probably bigots and ridiculous and stupid, but let, let, let's, let, we found one. Let, let's talk with them. And so that's not our deal here because we're here. We're, we're really familiar with the, the Bible story and with Jesus. So out of tens of millions, you've got two groups of tens of millions who are, I'm telling you, it's Matthew 7 of the, hey, they're going to call me Lord, Lord but I never knew you. And so you've got two groups in that. You've got people who made a prayer when they got invited to a youth group or they did some little religious experience and prayed a prayer or did something, but there was never, like they, they went for two more services and there's like, yeah, it's just weird. Uh, I'm just going to go back to, you know, I, I don't know what that was really. I, I think I'm saved. They told me I saved and I got 
dunked in water. And so I guess I'm good for later on, but like church is weird. So they, they never got in. And then there's people who literally, because of maybe fear or whatever, they do come to services or they go to church a little bit and it's attendance out of duty. Again, there's this transactional thing. I'm trying to be a good person. I'm doing this, God. That's not an understanding of the gospel, is it? Where we're going, you can't make a transaction with me. It was one directional. It was me providing for you. And so you got people who attend out of duty. And it's not an understanding of the gospel. So Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So not everyone who thinks they know me Not everyone who thinks they're familiar with me is going to get in. He's saying the people that are coming and saying that, they all think that they're getting in. It's not the people that we go like, oh, you know, the the, the, um, secular atheists that just like, God, that's ridiculous. I I don't believe in that. No, he's saying people that go, oh, I I know. I know because he says, the one who, who does the will of my Father. So this is overall picture of, is this being lived out in your life? Who does the will of my Father who is in heaven? On that day, many is going to say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? And I'm going to declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And so thankfully, we're seeing all that, right? Like, I mean, we're, we're seeing lots of demons cast out. We're seeing lots of great works and miracles. You're, you're seeing lots of prophecy. No, we don't even have that in our list. So we've got people who literally, we've, we've dumbed down the list like, oh, crap, I can't even say that. Like, uh, God, I didn't I go to church some? Didn't, didn't I give some money? Didn't I? And so literally tens of millions of people. So so. That's the reality we're living in, um, where, where we, there's a confusion because of, for, for the people that he was talking about, at least there was a confusion of, it looked like God was doing all this work. We're not even seeing that. We're seeing people literally go, hmm, church, man, this COVID thing was bad for a little bit, but man, it's actually worked out. I got a lot more free time on my weekends. I've got a lot more free time during the week. I, I don't have to go to those things with the church. And I'm not saying at all that churches that had four nights a week and the programs and all that, like that's the way you get to heaven. But what I'm saying is when it's just been completely emptied, and we don't see that so much with our group, but across America, you're seeing it incredibly. All my friends that have big pastor, uh, big pastor churches here in, in, in Tulsa even, it's, it's really difficult. So how does the church respond to that? Um, in such a in such a culture where that's happened, where there's vast lostness, what do we do? And so um, we've looked at that great commandment. So we want to be found faithful in this. And so I have a slide there that Matthew 22. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second cycle, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hinge all the Old Testament. So we've talked about this idea of being faithful to God alone versus a year of empty idolatry. So those first couple of weeks, we're we're asking the question, are you being led by subtle substitutes? Are are you, you doing things that are idolatrous? I've got my life. Sankey's goals, what Sankey wants to pursue, God, you come and make that happen. Sankey, or God, you come and bless this. Here's Sankey's lifeline. Your role is to make that happen. And, and man, 90% of churches, that's the message that you're getting. That's God's role is to make that happen. And versus the idea of, so that could be just idolatry, right? And you're just thinking God's coming along for the ride, blessing it. Or, hey, God, I see what you've done historically in redemptive history 
I, I want to put my little bitty life as a dot connecting to what you're doing in all of history. I want to make my life about eternal things. And that, that, so that does not mean that you have to go with the Krebs or, or Josh and Karen across the overseas. That means that your neighbor, that means those, those little four kids that are driving you crazy through, through a weekday, that they're in the floor doing that. That, that means um, living for eternity there. That means with the people that you work with and learning how to do that. That means to serve the people around who have no identity about God. So this idea of faithfulness to God alone versus a year of empty idolatry. We looked at that Psalm 1611. You've made known to me the path of life. In finding you, I actually find what life is supposed to be about, my true identity, not here's Sankey's life and life goals and my plans, and then, God, you're obligated to come make that happen. Now, in that, I, I don't want to make it sound like that if you are trying to have goals, like, hey, in 2022, we'd like to see this. We'd like to see, or in five years. We, that, that doesn't mean you go, no, I can't have any of those. That would be unfaithful. It's saying if that dictates all your time and your thinking, and you get really juiced and energized and thinking about that, and here's what we could do, and here's this other thing, and here's this next stage of life that we could do, and you're not ever sharing the gospel, or can't ever be involved in people's lives in the body of Christ and can't be concerned about eternal things, I would be very worried. So it's fine to have goals. And it's fine to say, like, hey, in 10 years, we'd like to do this. And in five years, we'd like to, in 20 years, we'd like to, it's wise to do those things. If it controls all of your mindset and you get really, really passionate about that, but when it comes to I mean, a small group, uh, church, uh, oh man, just, Anything, your, your spiritual disciplines, uh, there's just a, just know that there's, there's something missing there, right? And so, like, why is it that I, I'm all about the things that, that tangibly show up in this life, and I don't really care about these people that, are, that God has placed right in front of my life? And so, still have goals, still have plans, but, hey, you have made known to me the path of life. And I think I had my own path, and I need to get on your path, God. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Anyone been going through the cul-de-sac? Keep going, for looking for the next job or the next situation or the next thing that, that's going to bring joy. How's that working out? It's not. You, in your presence, is fullness of joy. It would seem like if I, if I wasted my time doing those things, like it's just, oh, it's so, it's t- it's like, oh, it's just agonizing people's problems and all the junk. And like, you just don't see a lot of things that are like really, well, maybe in doing that, it changes your heart and your heart aligns with God. And he goes, I'm producing joy out of that. So um, at your right hand are pleasures for more. I think that's a direct statement about Jesus Christ because later on we're found out, oh, it's Jesus that's the right hand of God. So we've said we want to be a people learning and aware of our idolatry, our subtle idolatries. And so, man, we want to be faithful in the great commandment. And then faithful in the great commission, Matthew 28. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So I'm in control. Go stand over here for an hour. Sometimes I go and walk the parking lot over here at Cox Super Saver or whatever. Sometimes I sit and I park in one of those places that's, you know, I, people get freaked out because I've got an 04 Tahoe. And so and it's got tinted windows. And so they're like, is he selling stuff? Or is he here for us? Is he an uh, undercover cop? Or is he? And so it's just interesting. You get a lot of weird looks. And so uh, sometimes I just, if I get out, I just walk around my vehicle really fast and then get back in the other side and just see what people, then I can sit in there and like lock, watch what people do. And so uh, I may get shot doing that sometime. And so, um, the um, idea, does he really have authority over here? The people I look at, 
Here's a good confession. I don't believe you could save them. I don't believe that you could rescue them. I confess to you, prove me wrong, God. I confess to you, I I think that they have just all kinds of issues and problems and things, and there's no way that you could do a work in that person's life. I think that's better than, than us really having that mindset and just not admitting it to God and not being honest with ourselves and honest with God because he actually knows. And because if you're, well, I mean, look at them. I, mean, I wouldn't, nothing's going to happen there. Look at them. They've made a lot of bad choices. They've got a bad past. They've got, that's what our heart's saying, but we just don't get honest about that sometimes. And so when we're honest about that, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go, based off of that, Remember, the main verb there is not go. The, the real Greek is just like, as you're going, based off of that reality that I have all authority, as you guys are, are going, you've seen my life, you've seen all that I've done, you've seen all the, seen all the miracles. The miracles were not just, just, just to, uh, for themselves, but it was to lead to the message. It was a foundational for the message. It gave evidence, I, I am from God. I am the Son of God. And so as you're on your way, make disciples. Ponta ta ethne, of, of all nations. And so... This idea also along with that of baptizing, but also teaching them to observe. So if you check out and you're part of the American consumer church that wants to, hey, I'll listen to this podcast over here. I'll find these articles. And you know what we tend to do. You find the articles that you agree with, right? Like when you see that one on Gospel Coalition that you're like, what? That guy's for that? That's no, he's off my list then. He, he's not solid anymore. That's what we find the ones that the, the 15 that we align. We love the echo chamber and we love the echo chamber so much that we're just like, oh, and then anyone times, well, you know what this guy said, and you know what this guy said. We don't like when someone disagrees because like, well, they're just off my list. And so we, we do that all the time inside the church. And in doing that, um, we, we kind of form this little small little area around us and we're, we're not learning how to think through that when, when, when people do have different views outside of us, different, all kinds of different views. There's two types of disciple-making that comes on. You've got people who go, hey, it, it, this is disciple-making. You sitting there listening right now, take notes in a classroom, Sunday school class, and I've even, I've even been around some different people who that, their form of disciple-making was, you're the student, it's one person giving out and pouring out information. So an information dump to 60 people or to 100 people. And then I've seen people who go, man, I'm going to get in these two or three guys' lives and they're going to be in my life and they're going to, I'm not going to try to present just this very holy, because it's easy for me to sound really, really spiritual up here. Come in my house while my back's hurting and it's been hurting for seven hours, and my boys have not been listening because they're like two and four and six, and they're not acting like 40-year-old librarian kids, and, when, and they're going crazy, and then things are bad, and then come in and see, see me sin and st- see if you still like me. And I fail, and I don't even try to make up for it. To try to, you just, like, I just sin and just like leave it there. Don't even like, hey, man, I'm just so sorry. We're, me and Jamie are fighting. The boys are acting crazy. We've been screaming at them. Uh, my, my back's hurting and all this stuff. And, and just being okay with like, hey, and, and then people go either like, oh, I'd never be around him. Or, man, I think that's me too. So there's people that get in your life and just go, hey, we're, we're going to live like this together. And it's like shoulder to shoulder moving forward because we're all sinners. And so people that get in and go, hey, I, I want to live life around you, and, and we're going to sin together, but we're all going to need a Savior. 
So in disciple making, um, you have to be careful because sometimes when I, I've been really big on discipleship, um, sometimes what it, when, I, when I define it and, and explain it to people, um, I, I've had a tendency of, of making, in trying to be so clear about it, I've made it very narrow. And what I mean by that is like I can say, man, I think, and I still go with this, is one of the best things is you got this one guy. So if me and Kyle meet every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., and it goes beyond just like, hey, man, so Kyle, um, do you have your memory verse memorized from Ephesians this week? And he's like, yes, I do. And uh, he really didn't work on it all week. He didn't think through it all week. He didn't do it like last Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. But last night at 1230, he remembered, oh, I have to do that one verse. And so I'm going to memorize Like, that's not the point, right? So you checkmarked it, but like you, you weren't letting the scripture change you, right? But, but Kyle says the verse, and then Sankey says the verse. And then we argue for about 10 minutes because he used uh, you know, the, uh, another version, and that one's not really a really good solid one. So then we got into that conversation. And then um, we, we begin to talk about the Ephesians chapter that we're going through. And then in time, maybe we get out of not just like, well, here's what I think it said, here's what I think, but like, man, here's where I fail. If that book is a mirror, man, it reveals some bad stuff because I'm not treating Jamie this way. And, and beyond that, much, much worse than that, here's some thoughts that I have sometime that no one would know. Because here's the deal, God knows those. So I've asked guys sometimes like, hey, if there wasn't any consequences, you wouldn't lose your wife. The people at your church or workplace or Christian environment, you wouldn't lose your family. You wouldn't lose your paycheck. You could go do whatever. No consequences. Life goes on. Wife, kids, family, job, where would your heart take you? What would you be willing to do? Because God goes, a secret, that's how desperately wicked your heart is. That's how bad your heart would take you if it wasn't for my gospel. Well, for me, sustaining in grace. So females, I don't know what the things y'all struggle with, but like if, if your heart would be that, and God goes, that's the horror factory I'm talking about. If it wasn't for me, saving and rescuing you, you would be right there. And today, even as 10 years in the church, 15 years in church, that's where it would take you if it wasn't for me and my grace sustaining you. But you don't want to look at that. You want to keep working hard and working on your stuff and, and being really, really good. And so he's going, that's where it would be. Hey, let's talk about those things, Kyle. So that gets deep. That's some life-changing stuff. So that's really, really powerful in, in discipleship, right? Because now, hey, actually, man, I've been thinking about leaving my wife for six months. There's two girls in the office that, man, I, I just to be honest, I, I, I spend time there in the morning, and I go and talk to them. And, man, she's about 15 years younger than me. Man, my wife, we've been married for 20 years, and so we, we know each other's weaknesses, and, and we kind of hit on those a lot. She makes me feel really like a failure a lot, this girl in my office, she makes me feel like I was 17 again. She thinks I'm phenomenal and intelligent and smart and all those. Do you know how many conversations I've had with guys like that who teach a Sunday school class every Sunday, who lead a small group, who do things? And so that's a scary thing when you get to the four-month place with them and they go, actually, here's what's going on in my life. And, and we shouldn't be shocked at that because we all know when the crisis happens, the big explosion, and it just ends something, and it's like, oh, what, what was going on all along there? Oh, it's been there for a while. It wasn't just one day, and this decision was made. And so we know those things going. So that kind of discipleship, when I point to that, people go, some people go, oh, that, my personality, like, oh, no, 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 that scares me, right? 
And then some people go like, I don't know what I would say to people. I don't know. I don't want to get that messy. And so I want you to know that that is a great, I believe that's a really solid form of disciple making. Um, you do that with two or three people, maybe just one person starting a, a baby step for you is just this next year till, till January 1. You just find one person. And don't find the person who's also in the same echo chamber as you. And so if you, you know, already agree on this, things like that will never challenge anything. So in that, just that's one version. But I want you to think through disciple making is I've seen beautiful, beautiful steps by people in here, by you guys who have neighbors that have a lot that's going, that's going on in their lives. And you patiently, weightily carry the burdens of those people and patiently love and speak to them at the right time and are patient and long suffering and serving and serving and serving and doing life with them. And we do those. That's disciple making. And it may not look like, you know, they're, they, they get baptized, you know, three months later, and then they're, now they're a leader of the church, and they're, they're writing Christian books. Like, that, that doesn't happen, but you are being faithful, a faithful gospel presence. So I want, that's discipleship. That has to be going on as well as the 6 a.m. one-on-one meeting. Um, inside the groups, when we go, hey, we got our small group. There's some discipleship and sharing that goes on. But also, hey, then these three or four women go on and they have this book study over here. And it's because some things it's hard to share with 12 women. Some things, if there's three, man, we could talk about that. Triads, the three, three things, it's a really powerful thing. So thinking through the different forms of um, discipleship. So one of the biggest things that we want to say, so, so we're a family equipping model here at Sojourn. So the one that you can't look over is your own home. And so if you're, if you're a single college student, if you're a person, an individual that's not married, then, then you still have a home. Are you going to be a faithful gospel presence in the middle of your home? So I'm used to talking with mainly college students. So in my notes, I'm, it's not like families. And now we're in this case where there's a lot of families and stuff. But, but individuals, your workplace, consider that the same thing. But if you're a family and you have children, number one priority, the church is not the primary disciple maker of, of your kids. Uh, a private school, a Sunday school class, a youth leader, they are not the one. God has said, you teach them diligently. You train them up in the ways of the Lord. The, the parent is the number one primary disciple maker of your children. That's not Sunday mornings. That's not a, the, the great youth and children's program that we have here at Sojourn. People who don't know, we don't. And so that online, they could be just listening, going, man, we've got to get there. They've got something going on. And so uh, it's a gem. And so at home, that, 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 that we're going, hey, this is what's important. And we want to train people how to do that. Um, should be obvious. You guys probably don't know this. But, um, I, uh, the Lynches, we are members at Lifetime Fitness. I know it should be obvious. Um, Brady retired. It probably will cut down uh, every year. I'll, I think about entering into the draft or you know seeing if any coaches want to pick me up or stuff. Now that Brady's going to be out, um, I, I I don't feel like I have to go improve anything. He's been real kind of glamorously, selfishly. You know, he gets a lot of stuff. I've tried to be, take the humble route and wait till this age in case I I don't want to show off. You know, in the NFL or anything. No need for that. And so. We're members of Lifetime, and so um, we did it last year. Some friends said, hey, if y'all wanted to join, we're like, oh, we couldn't afford that. And I know they got all the cool stuff. They're like, oh, actually, you get a month free, and then you can get it all, like you know, 50, 60-month discount, and then you can also shut it off when you want to. And we were like, oh. And our boys had lots of friends, so they have basketball, and our boys were doing the stuff. And we'd do football here in the mornings, training and stuff, and then the boys would go, and Jamie would take them, and they'd play basketball in the afternoon. So we did it, because, and so we show up, and it's, it's like cheaper, like 185 a month, and then you can shut it down to just like 10 bucks a month. And you still have all the access to the online stuff, because 
we're people who use all that online stuff. And so um, as we go to sign up for this, you know, the guy, he, he's like 19, and he's looking at me, and he does not understand that, like, me and Brady are kind of equal in that area. And so he's looking at me like I need lots of classes and stuff. He's going through, and I'm, I'm sitting listening to this 19-year-old just like, oh, God. I was like, hey, man, let me, let me cut this short. Do I get access to the pool? I, I just want the pool. And, and he, he keeps on going on about the classes and this. And they made a sign something where I wouldn't park the Tahoe in their parking lot. I have to park over in this other parking lot and stuff. And so all these things that they're requiring of us. And so we've got access to you know hundreds of classes during the week, all these different styles, workout, personal trainers, um, all kinds of things that, that, that can make you this type of person. But we've got the deal where I just want the pool, really. I, all I want is the pool. Uh, I, here, here's my check these two months, and let's make sure we do get to shut this off afterwards. So you're telling me I get to use your pool for a couple months, and my boys get to, and we get to use it, and then we can stop when football season comes because we're not going to be here at all. And they're like, yeah. And so, um, and for $10, we've still got the ongoing contract. And I think that's what our view of the church and our lacking discipleship, like the, the we. If you're a person who goes, man, I really do. I'm struggling with that passion. I'm struggling with not being, not growing, not, man, maybe just that one person getting in your life and just maybe just seeing that maybe fullness of joy, God using this situation of being involved in making disciples, maybe there'll be a lot more joy. There'll be a lot more passion. It's like the lynches at Lifetime. We're, we're just sending the check and I just want access to the pool. And they're going, we have 150 different ways of you growing and getting stronger and better at this. And I'm just going, well, I just really want the pool. And so for you guys, think that so Sunday morning, that's not going to be the case. Sunday morning can't be it for you. You should be involved in people's lives. You're not going to grow if you're able to isolate off and it doesn't happen in community. So you can have all your knowledge points. Those, those people scare you and scare me to death if it's only knowledge and so if it's only knowledge points and you're not living in community and people are rubbing up against you and you're having to change, and maybe you still have your stance, but you've got to think through the way that you communicate your stance. Remember, like last week we talked about our posture in those things. Like I may have a very firm stance, but how do I communicate? Think through how am I coming off to other people? So um, – the family has to be one of the places that we say this is, this is the biggest priority to us. In that, I would say Paul's words to Timothy, know yourself and know your doctrine. Um, in that, what I mean is uh, when we were at New Beginnings, there was probably like 150 families that we were over in two different areas. So these parents would come to me like, hey, tell us what we can do. And usually it was a behavior issue. So they, hey, my kid's doing this behavior. We want that stopped. It would look better for us if our kid didn't act like a crazy kid in the middle of church service. So what steps can we take to make crazy kid not be crazy kid? And so they want a quick book and we want three little points. And so, and then, but then I would have to take some time. And sometimes I'd be like, uh, give me some little time. Tell me a little more about yourself. Because what I want to know is oh, I've got, I've got 10 books over here that are very good on rules and bullet points on, on here's things to do. But you need to know yourself. So you, you guys know the two types of parents. you got the laissez-faire. That means that you're parenting for them, right? And so you all have been those places where, where the kids, and I've told you all about our former group where the kids were just like literally like diving over, setting our cat on fire, all kinds of stuff. And you're just like, hey, you know, um, 
in, in the idea of freedom, and we just we don't want to ever say no. You know, spanking is abuse, and and then just telling our kid no is even abuse. And so pop psychology has maybe popped in, and they, they so they have those views. And some of you guys may be going like, oh yeah, even husband and wife, we have different views on that. Like she's like, I thought we were going to be this way, and the husband's like, well, they're driving me crazy, but uh, I thought we were going to be this way. And so that gets really dicey and difficult. And so you know yourself. And so there's certain books. That if you're more bent towards just rules, and this is the way it looks, and it should be, and I mean, the proof is my family, and I mean, look at me compared to you. That happens sometimes. So it's like, uh, look at your family, look at my, and, and then we, we want that. If you're a really uh, person that's bent more on those things, um, you don't need 10 books that give you more and more and more and more lists, right? You might need to listen to some of that, hey, more of the grace-based parenting, and know it's not your echo chamber. Know that you're going to read the first one and go, this is crazy, if we do this, we're going to have kids end up like, you know, that other parent. That, you know, and so then there's the parent, the people who are over here, laissez-faire, no rules at all. Just nothing. They don't have any. They never say no. The kids do whatever. They need to know you need some structure. Like your, your kids are killing other animals and stuff. Your kids are destroying everything, and you think it's just, you know, fine. It's like, oh, look, he's so cute. And so, man, they need parenting books that help them with the structure. So know yourself and know your doctrine. It blows me away when people have no self-awareness of the way that they are with, with those things. When it comes to just discipling, if I'm a, if I'm a guy who's, uh, here's what I do, and I do these things, and it's this, man, and I want to disciple this guy, immediately within the first two weeks, he may feel like, man, I could never meet up to his standard. I mean, I need to be really, really grace-oriented with this. And what I mean, just like, not like put my list on him and force it on him. And if he's like, oh, I never do anything at all, and I'm never growing spiritually, well, hey, maybe you should listen to some of these things, right? I could help you in that, but also you can learn how he's kind of more fluid and graceful in that. And so um, finding a, a middle ground and learning to know yourself and know your doctrine and knowing how to parent and make disciples that way. If you're a person who never has any growth plan and you're just like, I think it'll just happen, well, then you may need somebody that's a little more structured, that has a good, like, hey, here, here's the things that have really helped me grow. Here are some books on this. And then just being able to come together and, and grow with one another. So in the home, that's huge. You, you better think through 365 days a year with you, your little kids, you can either make them little robots or you can make them little hellions and so you better figure out what that's going to, and, and, and what we want is one or the other. We don't like the tension in the middle. We, we don't like the continual struggle and fight. So for Jamie, now, the biggest thing we've learned as our boys have hit teenage years, uh, two of them, is that we kept thinking this would just get easier, and it's not getting easier. It's more serious, and, and, and the, you know, the, the, the consequence of running across something and falling and tearing your elbow up is different, right? When they're in a vehicle with another kid their age, going 70 miles an hour, drastic differences and consequences. Thankful for phones, right? So you can always just be looking down at things like that. And so all kinds of things that you've got to be aware of how you're raising them, the way that you're discipling other people, the way you're discipling your family, your kids. When it comes to your neighborhood, some of you are really, really good at reaching out to people and, and having people over for dinner and cookouts. Y'all have been a really good crowd about that. Like I said, partnering with people, literally walking with difficult people in difficult circumstances for not a month and giving up on them, not six months, years. Some of y'all have done Years and years. And it, again, it doesn't always turn out like now they're, they launched off to some place and they've reached an unreached people group and 10,000 converts. No, no, it, it's not always like that. And that's not the end goal. 
but you loved them well. You were a faithful gospel presence. You were in their lives, and you, you, you lived out the gospel and, and clarified truths of Scripture to them. So that's in your neighborhood, the, the people around you. Also, your community, where you work. Just think through. If you're working in a place, just you're going to have lunch, so ask someone to go to lunch with you. There's 40 people, 20 people. Hey, just, just go, hey, for this next you know, six weeks, I don't know Chuck very well at all. Hey, Chuck, I know everyone goes to lunch on Monday. Hey, what if me and you uh, get together on Mondays? I just wanted to see if, you know, I want to hear your story. I don't know where you come from. I don't know your story. And then in that, like, hey, man, um, you know, at our church, we're talking about these things, and I'm realizing even in my marriage or in, in my situation that I'm in, um, man, I really struggle with some things. Man, would you be willing to, like, just every Monday us get together for 40 minutes and just maybe just go through, like, John chapter 1? Next week, John chapter 2. Like maybe twice a month and just like talk about that. It's surprising. All the statistics say even lost people, secularists, are like 70-something, 75, close to 80% willing to do that. I believe there's something going on about loneliness, and I believe there's something going on about identity that God's kind of doing there where people are looking for something. They don't want to admit it, but but they would be willing to do that with someone. That's just living intentional life. Um, the fourth area, um, well, the, the point of that is that you want to move into relationships of true care. Um, the fourth area is what we prayed about earlier, bringing um, Josh and Karen and, and Mike and Jessup. So ponta ta ethne, making disciples. If you learn to do that here, what happens? You're not depending on a service, on how good the service went, or if they said what you wanted them to say, or the songs that they led was what you liked. But instead, no, you've learned to live life in that context and be a faithful gospel president. And now, hey, there's an opportunity for us to take this trip and just see what that would be like. Would God lead us overseas? And so I have a slide up there of just what that looks like going from the, from the local Tulsa area to the 1040 window where there's no churches. 95% of the world's most unreached, ungospeled. Um, there's, there's so much areas. It's, it's the, the, the area where all the main religions started. And so in that, 95%, some places 99.8%, unchristian. And so less than 2%, less than 1% believers there. And so just going, hey, God, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with that? Um, man, the stage that our boys are at, man, the things that we've been teaching them all these years and now going, hey, uh, would you consider this? Would you, man, what would it be like for if you went on a trip for, for, for a month? And, you know, teenagers are like, oh, that'd be pretty cool. They have surfing there. They have, they have the ocean there. They have, you know, the, man, God can use those things. And so thinking through, as, as they get older, wanting to hold those, those ideas like, hey, what would it be like for you to live your life? And so then to go, so are you doing that well right here? And so it's the same for us. If we like that idea over there, or am I doing that? Am I willing to do that here? Am I living that out right now? And so that pontata ethne is incredibly important. So we see in that, as we talk about disciple-making, teaching them to obey all that we've commanded, one of the things that's kind of become this kind of weird sty or, or pebble in people's shoe in the last three or four or five years is the idea of disciple-making is good, but we want to be super, super cautious on the way that we go and serve the community. So the idea there is like, well, what if we start serving so much that we drop the gospel? And, and, and granted, there's been lots of places that over the years that I know some huge ministries that we had been a part of and went, spoke to, and they literally did. They, they made racial reconciliation the end goal. So that means that this white guy and this black guy, or this black guy and this Hispanic guy, man, the end goal, all of our lessons, all of our teaching, all our books, racial reconciliation, that's what we, what we want to be known for. 
That's not very good if we both hug each other, love each other. Now I love this guy. We're from a different ethnicity, and, and we don't have the gospel. So the gospel has to be a part of that, right? And so we want to make sure. And so in that, we've, been, we've seen those. And so the crazy thing, though, is that when places that have struggled in not being able to really care about the people that are different in their community and serve the poor and do those things, that we, we, we want to use that as an excuse of, well, we, well, we just got to be careful if we ever do that because we've dropped the gospel. And so in that, it, it's, it's uh, one of the things that you can— you got to be careful because um, we should always be thinking through our gospel works and our gospel deeds that are going out. We're doing these things, and, and, and we don't treat people like projects where my neighbor or my coworker or the people we go serve, there's all these strings attached, like, hey, we're going to have a cookout. I do need to let you know that we're going to have a 20-minute time, time where we're going to share and tell you these things. You can't come unless you listen to this. Are you willing to listen to this first? And so that shouldn't be the goal. Um, they're not projects. We just love on them. Because the Imago Dei. We love on them because they were created in the image of God. And, and Jesus loved on people that rejected him, the great majority. And so in that, at Sojourn, we, we, we want to be a place where we go, we want to get better at that also. And so we talked about that, moving from discipleship to the great requirement. Um, and just be honest. We can just be honest. How many times have you shared the gospel with your neighbor or coworker, your your boss, Another parent, a stranger. How many times have you shared the gospel with those people in the last six months or the last year or the last two or three years? But then when the church goes and says, hey, we're going to go and clean up an area of town or we're going to go and serve these people, and then people are like, oh, well, hold it. Are we dropping the gospel? And so let's just be honest. You've never been so big about the gospel anyway. You're not sharing the gospel anyway. We all admit that, oh, we're not really good at that. We don't really make disciples very well. We struggle with prayer times and, and times in the Word. But, but like, man, but man, don't be pushing all this social um, steps and social injustice on us because I don't want to drop the gospel. Man, let, let's just be mature about that and go, no, we have to be doing all those things in a loving way. At Grace Baptist in, in Tahlequah, I, talk, I had to build this up for months. I had to kind of get it on the table first. Is everyone okay? And, and the people were like, oh, that sounds kind of weird. The idea was there's this really trashy place right out in front of these apartments. There's all these college kids that lived in these apartments right down by the church and the skating rink. And so it was just trash. It was just got littered and said, hey, Let's go beforehand and go to door to door and just tell people, like, hey, um, man, we, we just want you to know that we'd love to have you at this church. We don't know what, what's going on in your life, but we, 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 we would care about you. And if, is there any prayer requests or anything going on in your life? And so we went and did that first. We believe that if Jesus comes to an area, he brings light. He, he is loving to that area, right? So he did that everywhere. We see his stories of that. We see the church has always done that. So we want to do that first. Just say, hey, like, uh, would you guys just know that we're there? And we do actually, we believe we should care about you. So you shouldn't go 10 years with ever, the church ever even just saying, we actually care about you. And then we didn't tell them that we're going to do this. Then we went and just took a Sunday and we it took about two hours and we picked up all this trash. And so, like, man, so people said, someone even called the paper. We didn't try to do this. The church didn't. Someone called the paper and said, hey, this church is going to go and pick up trash. We got finished picking up trash. And a really, really solid leader-type guy, as we were picking up all the trash, we get finished. And he goes, man, I'm just concerned with all this service stuff that we're doing, right? Are, are we going to drop the gospel? He's no longer with us. Like, I pummeled. No, I'm joking. I, I, I just thought, like, what? We, we did an hour? And, and, and we're going to, then that's to go back. You know what that says to that community? Like that church is actually doing the hands and feet because lost people, they think that Jesus would be, would be a loving thing instead of a isolated on an island. You're pitiful. We're good. You should be good like us. 
And so that, that's just what people tend to think, that we can be self-righteous and pharisaic and all those things. So when you're showing them these Christian deeds and you've told them this stuff that you'd love to be in there, any, anything we can pray, then you go back to them again. Hey, we prayed for you on that thing. You were at this house and you said that y'all had lost a job or your aunt had cancer. Or what? How, how's that going? What's the purpose of that? The people, not the project. So we're about people, not the project. So in that, this great requirement, uh, Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require? With what shall I come before the Lord and, and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offering? So what are the things that I would do that would be acceptable to God? What can I do to be acceptable? Will the Lord be pleased? So you hear this idea, what's pleasing to God? Um, shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? So now you have this deeper understanding of, oh, something needs to be taken care of sin. The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Micah says, he's told you. He's told you. Right now, bow your head, pray this prayer, ask Jesus into your heart, get back. No, it's not what God said. Not what God said at all. No, notice what he went. This is what he requires of you. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God? That is what Jesus describes in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You understand these things, the Beatitudes, it's not go and make the list of Beatitudes. You can do these things. Go live these out. It's like, no, this would crush you. I'm the only one who's going to live this out. But this is, would be my followers. They would have these type of characteristics. And so we show that in our humility. We show that in doing justice because we understand there's a true justice maker. And you were never going to get in. His justice was something's got to die because of the profanity of these people, and I'm killing one-third of the Trinity for it. That's justice, because your justice would never meet up. Millions of you come together and want to give something or die would never cover it, because you're pathetically dark in sin. I needed something holy to die. That's true justice. And so in that, we see in his book, Gaining by Losing, uh, J.D. Greer writes about um, the, the way that we need to think through what, what's the church. So you're a church plan. Are you trying to use the city to build a really big church? Every person I talk to when I meet parents and stuff, they're like, hey, you know, what are you guys doing? Oh, well, you know what Transformation Church did. Well, here at Life Church, here's what they, so who said I was trying, that my end goal in five years or in 10 years, that we're trying to become that? that? That's not what we're trying to become, right? And so there's a different way, if you're living out these values and visions, there's a different way of doing that, of, of the church. And so it's, it's different. So that's not the same end goal. Um, are you using the city and people to become a really big church or are you saying that, hey, we need to be reaching and blessing the community around us just because they're made in the image of God and because we believe when Jesus comes into an area, he brings light. He brings the gospel. They may reject it, but we don't get mad at them because they reject it. But we, we want to serve them with gospel words and gospel deeds. And so um, you look at Matthew 5, um, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and then trampled under people's feet. So in that story, when Jesus was telling that, we think of salt as taste. We add salt for taste. In their day, they weren't adding salt for taste. So when you had meat, if you had money to get meat, salt was what was the preserving agent and the purifying agent. So here's meat, day two. Here's fish laying out, no refrigerators, no electricity. It's preserving it and purifying it. And because it's, 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 it's becoming putrid. And so 
Um, salt was mainly for um, those ideas against decaying and, and, and meat that was becoming rancid. So when it speaks of losing its saltiness, it's referring to that preserving and purifying agent. Um, salt that is not connected to meat, it, it's mocking it. And so Jesus knew that that crowd knew they had piles of salt they would put out beside their houses and stuff and their little huts and their little villages. And so the, the pile of salt, after rain came and it wasn't getting used and wasn't getting used, it got watered down. It was no longer good for, for preserving. And so then they would take it and they would shovel it onto the path, onto the road. And so it just people walked. So they knew exactly like, man, I don't want to live my life just like that. Jesus was saying, don't just waste what you've been given. You have a, a, a preserving and a purifying element about you with the gospel, but not if you're not connected to culture, not if you're not connected to people. You've got to be involved with it. Salt, uh, John Piper said, salt doesn't mock rotting meat. And sometimes that's what we do. You pitiful, you, and we, we, if it's not our words telling that lost people how pitiful and ridiculous and putrid they are, sometimes we're just like indifferent and very glad. And so sometimes that comes across. That's how they feel. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. I come down into a dark pit. I am holy and purifying, and I come down in the midst of this. And so he's saying, hey, that's what we've got to be, be thinking through. Your salt and your light. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your words, your knowledge? No, he says that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we've got to be about that also. So when it comes to outreach and all these opportunities, we've got McClure Elementary uh, two blocks up, one of the most devastated schools in the city of Tulsa. We've got um, Marshall Elementary is just a, a mile and a half away. Again, some of the most um, difficult positions for, for, for kids. Um, you could, you could join in doing things. I brought up last, last couple of weeks, defending dignity, stopping sex trafficking, um, Dayspring Villa, Owasso Baptist Children's Home, Home Pregnancy Center, um, all those things. Seed to Oaks, which is a partner of Harbor Network, the original Sojourn Church in Louisville, they come in and they do an assessment of, of the whole neighborhood, of the whole community around in a certain like five-mile radius, and they come out with this, these evidences going like, hey, in, in your area, here's some of the observations. So, for instance, they said, here's the spiritual climate in your area. Not a lot of churches in this area. If you want to plant a church in Tulsa, go to the 121st corridor, 131st, 141st. Why? You gotta survive, right? You gotta have money. You better go to 121st, 131st, 141st, right? That's where you plant churches. Some churches, even if they get better and bigger, they move out of this area and move to the more prosperous area. So it's difficult being in this type of area. So they say, hey, the spiritual climate, what's that like in that area? And they look at um, what, what's the community like? What do they value there? What do they say is broken? Not, not your view of coming in as the kind of, we're the fixer, we're the ones who got everything right, but listening to people and asking the question. Just come in as a listener and an observer. Hey, what's broken here? Talk to, go and spend time with some of these teachers and go, hey, what's broken? And they, they, they have a real clear list. Talk to the principals, talk to the families. Talk to the mom who's raising four or five kids alone. Talk to the, 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 the teacher or the, the grandma who's raising four or five grandkids in a 700-square-foot apartment. What's broken? 
then you can look at, hey, what do we need to do in response to that? And so they come in and they, they, they do this assessment and they come out like, hey, here's some realities that the church doesn't, you, uh, y'all maybe as a church didn't even realize, but here's what the, the untapped gifts inside your body, how that could meet up with the needs of this community. So let's join those together. Here's some opportunities. And so that's when we look through that, that idea of um, not only those things, but you look through the rhythms of the city. Um, and so that's one of the things I have a slide on that. Um, if um, there's areas that you, uh, you already join existing things. What we've done in the Christian church a lot of times is we go, hey, let's, let's get a whole bunch of people to come. Let's have this little Christian event. And so literally sojourn downtown Louisville. One time they spent, I think, like $8,000. They spent three months planning for it. And they did this March 1st, like big event at this park and this huge thing. And four people came. $8,000, months of planning, all this stuff. And, and then four people came. And afterwards, just some neighbors like walking around just like, hey, we saw that big thing y'all did. Like, why didn't you just wait till April 30th when the city, it's a citywide huge festival that everyone does and everyone's already there. The culture all does it and loves it and everyone comes to it. Y'all could have had something a part of that. So you join with what the city's already doing and still do what you plan to do. And so you, you join the culture of the city. You join what they're doing. And I don't mean you join in doing sin. You go, what are the big things that our city is known for? What are the, the rhythms through the year on the calendar? And then in that, so Easter, man, everyone, even lost people, they probably are gonna, would, would come to something about Easter. Um, Fourth of July, Juneteenth, Halloween. So we, we go, oh, Halloween, that's a pitiful thing. We would not do this because it's evil. And, and, and that's fine if you have that stance. But some of us may go, no, we're not scared of that. They're, they're not, we're not getting oppressed by demons or anything. And so we can join. Some of you come here. There's 700 people here. And we had two or three people that come. Metro just had a little a game out there. And, and we had people come from that just by doing that. We, we didn't even have a big representation here. And so um, all th- kinds of things. Uh, the Route 66 Marathon, things on Guthrie Green, um, concerts, all those things. So if you're going, hey, that, that's right up my alley. That's things I would love to do. Man, let me know. Come talk to me. Those are things that we want to get a, a part of in the city. And that takes planning. And that takes thinking through that. And that takes serving the body, getting together on that. So I, I want to encourage you to think through that. There's all kinds of other things that I'm not going to go into, but like as we move forward, going thinking through youth. So most of you aren't concerned about youth. Maybe us and the Wallaces. Or like, and so, but if you had kids that were 12, 13, and they didn't have a youth group, all of a sudden it might move to a very high category. Like, I'd love to have three or four people around them. You know, three or four kids their age around them that are going to church that have something to do. Not not you know every week, but maybe some events, some some older things. Also, just the the, the kids many sojourn kids like some events, some things to, on a calendar where they could go to main event or they could go and do a cookout. They could go and do uh, we could do a family camp. Different things that we could do that then you can invite people to. So it's not all attractional, but your five percent of attractional stuff is hey come and join us for these things. And then when families do come and show up with their family, they just don't go like, oh, man, you haven't really thought of us, have you? So we have to be loving the community like that and loving as people come with with something available. So if that's right up your alley, please let me know. So these are getting from the theological, biblical convictions down to those practical outworkings of what does that look like in a calendar year. So that may be an area that you are interested in. As we close, I want to give you some time as Josh and Karen comes up, just to respond to it, because you may be going, that's the kind of practical outworking, but you may be thinking through, man, I don't think I'm really good at loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, I'm stuck on that. That may be your altar call. 
But maybe just that, like if there's been distance through some depressive things through COVID or, or, or illness or family situation, relationship, like it's impeded your spiritual growth. Man, loving the Lord your God, loving others, loving your neighbor as yourself. And then thinking through the Great Commission. Have I been faithful in this idea of discipleship? Lord, would, for two or three weeks, maybe just praying like, who's one person I could get with and meet, meet with maybe once every two weeks? But just commit to through next January and just see if that would bring a little life and vitality, that that would be life-giving um, in your spiritual walk. And then if that's this area of I've never really thought through about serving, I've never thought through some of those needs outside of if it's not benefiting my own family, I don't really think about that. If it doesn't benefit my plan, I don't think about those people out here. And so we want to be faithful in that. So consider that. I'm going to give you some time to pray as we go through this song. We're going to do the Lord's Supper after the song. So um, let me pray and just give you some time to respond. You can stand and sing. Uh, you can bow your head and, and confess to the Lord and repent. You can be encouraged because you're going, man, I, I'm doing all those things. Thank you for the strength of that, God. I, I am walking in those things. Thank you for your faithfulness. That may be where you're at. So, Father, we come to you um, seeing that you are a gracious God, a good, good Father. We say that you are a great, great God. You have loved us much. You have provided much grace for us. And so we turn in response and ask for you to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. We pray that you would allow us direction. God, there may be people here going, man, I'd love to talk about going overseas. I'd love to see if the Lord would lead us to partner with Josh and Karen or Mike and Jess or Jim and Laura, or Chris and Melissa. Yeah, there may be people that are looking at the, the, their family and going, we need so much help, Lord. We need grace. We need strength. Maybe people that are going, I need to love you better, God. Holy Spirit, would you do your work now as we sing these songs? Would you minister to our hearts? Would you strengthen, it, strengthen us and encourage us? We pray in your name.